Welcome to the Inspiring Heights Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Kaiser, and I am so excited to be here with you today. Inspiring Heights exists to walk alongside you as we learn to create healthy rhythms, flourish in our faith, and be inspired where our feet are. We're honored that you're with us today. We can't wait. Let's get started. I had such an incredible time recording episode 18 with my sweet, sweet, best longtime friend, Jamie. Jamie is a wife and a mom and a nurse and a homemaker on a ranch and farm in Montana. Jamie and I spend our time together on this episode talking about what harvest time looks like from a homemaking perspective. We talk about Canning, we talk a lot about canning. That's a lot of what we talk about. We tell a couple funny stories about our childhood and we talk about what harvest looks like on the farm. So, this is just a really fun episode to continue on in our conversation about autumn time and harvest time and fall uh, from a really, really practical side of things. Jamie gives us some great tips for canners who are new, people who want to start canning food to preserve that. And when we got all done with the episode, we're like, man, we should have talked about like freezing and drying food. So we'll see. Maybe down the road that will be episode 2.0 with Miss Jamie. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation. Friend, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited that you agreed to be on the Inspiring Heights podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm sure that was a pause or (laughs) my cue. I should tell our friends listening that um, we laugh a lot so they can just expect that through the show. Um, So I like to start when I have guests on, I like to start by telling our listeners who you are and how I know you. So um, you are a lifelong friend. You're a bestie. You're in it for forever. There's no getting out now. We're almost 30 and there's just no turning around. <laughs> I know, right? I was trying to think back to, oh yeah, like how, when did we officially meet? Pretty sure we were babies in car seats. <laughs> Probably. <at church. laughs> yes. So I've never not known you. <laughs> I know. It's literally been our whole life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I remember we spent a lot of time growing up together, and I remember there's so many funny stories. We could literally be here for hours telling stories, but I remember when um, my mom took us skiing one day, kind of randomly, and we picked you up, and you got I got in the back seat with you so I could talk to you, and we both just started talking at each other like 100 miles an hour, like... And my mom was like, girls, girls, you can't even hear each other. And we're like, yes, we can. Like, we totally know what each other is saying. And that is like the epitome of our friendship, I feel like. Talking is definitely, yes. <laughs> so we do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so tell our listeners who who you are. Yeah, so I am Jamie. I am wife to Wacy and a mama to our little boy and soon to be a second one coming in October. Yeah. And 
yes, so excited, also nervous, but <laughs> I'll get <laughs> I'm also a nurse, and I guess I should have said not just a wife, but a farm wife, because that's a whole other thing, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yes. Some of which I did know I was getting into, and some of which I'm still learning that <laughs> comes with that. One of those is um, definitely having a job in town or as a nurse and then having a second job at home right. doing whatever they ask you to do. Yes. Yeah. So um, life on the farm brings lots of yeah different things and something that I've gotten to do a lot of since being a wife and a mom is preparing our own food and homemaking and I didn't really get the opportunity to do gardens um, during college or growing up I mean growing up a little bit but um, and definitely canning growing up but now it's like my responsibility to help feed my family so that is something that I have been able to kind of jump right in or get pushed right into <laughs> but I actually really enjoy it so yeah, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's kind of me, I think. <laughs> it's you in a nutshell. Yeah, hopefully. So we've been talking a lot about fall on the podcast. And one of the things that I think is really unique to, because I grew up, we both grew up ranchers kids, right? And both of our parents did a lot of what you do now, like when we were growing up, uh, preserving food and like serving our families in that way. So we both grew up with that. And then same for me in college, it wasn't something I did, nor was it a priority of mine at all. Like I was like, eh, like I never want to garden. I hate gardening. It's the worst. And now, you know, it's just a completely different like mentality and situation. And then, you know, yeah, just as life goes on and you have other people in your family just changes how you think about you know winter like and feeding them and what food you're putting on the table and what's in that food and all those things so I think it's awesome that you have this like now perspective like you're doing this every all the time you're like serving your family in that way we've been talking about fall for like a month and a half now on the podcast because it's my favorite thing so tell us what harvest season looks like on a farm both from like a farming standpoint because that's kind of unique maybe our listeners don't know but then also from a like preparing your home for this next season yeah so I'm new to kind of farming I mean I've been in this five years but I still feel like I don't know i I'm brand new sometimes it seems wait wait can I say something interrupt you really fast So there is definitely a difference between farming and ranching. And you and I grew up ranching, not farming. So, yeah. So if listeners are like, wait, I'm confused. That's why. Because it's legit different. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, we grew up on ranches. So cows, sheep, well, myself, like my family, cows, sheep, we did haying in the summer to feed those, that livestock. But Um, And maybe occasionally they would have to plant some new alfalfa, but that, yeah, livestock ranching. Yep. Farming is where you're seeding (laughs) and planting 
every spring and then you're harvesting that every fall and then it just keeps going so <laughs> it never ends we, no no it never ends <laughs> and we also do ranching so yeah we have that in there so you know you have something happening every month and yes. then some months overlap and you just go with it and then it's already september so <laughs> yeah we start well they start with seeding like i mentioned and our like farming operation is not huge. We're not big farmers. So we plant just what we need to feed um, our livestock through the winter because when we wean lambs and calves, we feed them out until the following spring in our own feedlot. So that's what our farming kind of it consists of. Um, so it is a little bit shorter maybe of a season than bigger farmers, but things that we plant are peas, hay, barley, oats. I think that's usually about it. Occasionally wheat. Um, depending so then that you put in in the spring and then about depending on the weather and humidity and all those things they look at that I don't even know half the things then you harvest them with the combine and put them in the grain bins so that you can feed them out or like hay barley that we also plant they just bale that to hay which we grind give to the livestock so there's that farming thing so as far as what my role is in that, not a ton <laughs> right now with me working, but it does usually involve moving trucks from field to field, bringing them home, putting them in the grain bins, take, having lunches ready, having all the things baked and made for the lunches <laughs> for them to take out, um, all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what it looks like from the farming standpoint. As far as the homemaking or just garden and food prep, that kind of thing, that again starts in the spring with planting your garden or even even before that with planning out like how much of this am I going to need, how many seeds, you know, getting your seeds ordered. Um, I haven't been able to be organized enough or I'm not sure what the right word is, but to be able to keep my own seed. Some people are awesome with that. Usually the fall gets busy and so then I don't have time to keep my own seed. But if you can do that, that would be awesome. You don't have to buy seed. But planting your seed and then planning out how many rows, how your garden is going to fit together, it's kind of fun. Like I like to map it out sometimes. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going to put my zucchini and my carrots and just making sure it all fits. It'll all work with my soaker hoses and have like a a, an organizational method that kind of makes sense with how to water them efficiently as well as weeding. So kind of that thought process starts in the spring and then trying to get the garden in around May up here in northeastern Montana. Sometimes you can't put it in until June sometimes because <laughs> um, sometimes you still get a little bit of frost. So so yeah, getting it put in and planted and then just watering it, weeding it, it's a job for sure. But it is fun to know that you put something in the ground and then there's life coming from it. So that's pretty cool. And then just as stuff comes up through the summer, you get to enjoy it fresh and then also save some for preserving later on. So fortunately this summer, 
my garden got eaten by grasshoppers. So oh, no. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah. With the heat and the grasshoppers. And yeah, it just, there's nothing. So uh, preserving and canning will look a little bit different, but that's okay. So in that case, when, you know, your garden isn't producing as much or just, or none, then I'm kind of can look in other places. So lots of neighbors around here are always trying to get rid of produce and, you know, anything like that. My mother-in-law also had, has lots of veggies that hers were good. So, um, so then you kind of start thinking like, what are you going to need for the winter and just like what your family eats. So I love canned beets, whereas my husband, not as much of a fan. So I have been able to go a couple of years without canning beets and now it's like, okay, now is another year, we'll have to can be. So just kind of learning that as well. And that changes too with families. But sorry, going back to kind of the prep of that, um, you got to get your canning lids, your rings, all your jars, wide mouth or narrow. I don't really have a rhyme or reason to doing that. Um, there's just certain things I like in those. Yeah. Um, in certain things too. So, so t- tell me about. So you learned about canning. You were introduced to canning when you were young, right? Your mom yes, did it. Yes. So would you say that canning is like a passion or a necessity in your life? Um, I think both um, because I do really like – I enjoy it. It's a lot of work, especially in a house, a hot kitchen in the summer – when we don't have air conditioning. So it definitely is a chore, but I also really like it because then I know what goes in my food and it's stuff that I have either grown or gotten from someone that I know. And it's fresh, more fresh, I feel, <clears throat> even though you are canning it. So it's a little bit of both. Um, I do enjoy it because yeah, growing up, we canned everything. There was That was just what we did in the fall with mom. And my sisters and I in the kitchen, like that was just tradition or yeah, just the way of life. So it was, it was always in my mind that that's what we would be doing or that's what I would be doing. And then as, you know, as you grow with your family and then even as maybe food gets more expensive or just kind of how the world is right now, it's nice to know what I'm like, I'm making stuff and what I'm putting in it is what I know and I can also have a pantry full of food um, in case I can't get to the store or things aren't available things like that yeah that's amazing so did you when you went from when you became a wife and you started doing your canning thing because that's really when it started right because you had done some missions work before and that was not a part of your life when you were in the missions field and then you became Lacey's wife and and it was just like a season change and life change when you became when you moved into that season and you started canning did you remember everything you learned as a kid like you just picked it right back up or were you like (laughs) did you have some flops did you call your mom or like I do not remember how much salt or do you have like a cookbook 
Because I just have to, I ask these questions because I told our friends who subscribed to the newsletter last week, two weeks ago, that I've had this whole canning adventure where, <laughs> like, I also grew up, my mom canned a lot, my grandma canned a lot, and I just kind of swore I would never do that, and also they pressure canned, and I don't pressure can, and so I had some major flops concerning, like, like so many jars of pumpkin and apples and then I learned my lesson and I pivoted and now I need a cookbook for water bath canning and so I'm just curious <laughs> if you just remembered everything your mom ever taught you. And I wouldn't say I remembered everything because it's like okay wait do are these things okay to be hot water baths or do they have to be pressure canned to like be able to last for a lot longer. So no I do not remember everything. I do have a book. I have the it's ball blue book of canning and that's my go-to but then if there's some stuff that isn't in there I just google it and kind of go with my gut as well so there's some instinct <laughs> to kind of go with my gut a little bit because I have had the background but as far as like strict measurements I'm still not super strict on my measurements with canning because you can kind of go with it and there have been some flops for example last year my sister and I canned peaches with honey instead of sugar and that did not work out so well the peaches were I didn't think they were terrible but my mom was not impressed <laughs> so she's like what did, did you even put any sugar in these <laughs> yeah we did honey so she was like don't ever do that again so I'm like well I want to try again maybe just switching the ratio or adding a little bit more because we do have lots of honey that we get just from local um, areas. And so that would be something kind of fun. But no, definitely flops. Um, just yesterday I was canning pears. And one jar was pushed up a little bit too far on the insert that, they, that you're able to pull them out of. And it broke. And all my pear, well, just one jar did. But all the pears and juice and everything like floated to the top. And yeah, I lost the quart of pears, which is kind of sad. but. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely flops in there. And I definitely call my mom a lot. Okay, yeah, what is this? And how about this? And do you hot pack or do you raw pack? And because there's all those different things. So <laughs> I, I sometimes go with my gut a little bit, but I also have a book and my mom is speed dial. So yeah, yeah, it's my mom is too. It's legit. It's so funny. I feel like canning is one of those things where in my mind it when I started when I started like on my own it was like so simplistic it was like as long as it seals that's all that matters uh, but that is not true like you can make a can seal by like putting it in the microwave and getting the lid hot under hot water right like it's not true so then it's like all about like acidity like the ph balance and that determines whether you can pressure or water bath and then like it's just this whole thing because otherwise you do all this work and then it, it's not actually preserved right yeah situation. A lot of those little details. But I once tried to can preserve something in the oven. So you were, it was jelly, I think, or maybe applesauce. And 
someone had told me that, hey, just try this. And you put them, I can't even remember exactly the details, but um, you had a pan, I think maybe some water, just a little bit of water. And then you got your jars really hot, put your liquid in really hot, your canning lids and rings are really hot, like coming from boiling water, you just put it all together, put it upside down in the water in a hot oven and like let it be there for like five or 10 minutes or something. And they sealed. Yeah, they sealed. But then <laughs> it was like, I don't know, a week or two later, maybe a month. I don't remember. And there's like little mold growing in there. Like, oh, that did not seal. Or I can't remember if it was that or maybe we opened the applesauce and it was rancid. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. You got to kind of be a little careful. <laughs> Different methods. So I'm sure there maybe are other methods, but the tried and true that I found that works, yes, is hot water baths or pressure canning. Yes, for sure. So tell us um, if we have listeners who are new to canning and are like interested in dabbling in it, what would be your words of wisdom to them as they're getting started? Like what supplies do they need? What books should they have? Like anything specifically they should be listening to? They're your mom should be on speed dial, you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> so like I said, I use the ball book of can or blue book of canning or big blue book. I can't even remember what it's called. Big. We'll I link it in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. But I don't believe that's the only book. Like I know there's a ton out there. So just get something to be your guide because I literally go to the, I pull it out every single time, even though I've done peaches and pears and beans numerous times. I always pull it out. So get a book that is either that someone recommends to you or that has good reviews or something. So have something as your guide because you'll feel a lot more confident. And then you'll, of course, need your rings and lids, which order ahead of time unless you can just pick them up in the store because they kind of are sometimes a little bit hard to get. Um, and if you want to not pay an arm and a leg for them, try to order them ahead of time. I... I'm cautious with the brand, maybe a little bit per and ball. I'm trying to think of the other ones that I use, but those are the main brands that I like. Um, just because I've had good success with them. The ones that are maybe the cheaper-ish or less expensive ones, not sure if they would seal. It would maybe be worth it to try a few things, but I wouldn't just buy hundreds of that brand, you know, that one and then lose a bunch of food that would be really sad so uh, and then your rings whether wide mouth or narrow your jars quarts and pints and even they have the one cup ones if you want to do a little jelly they have really any size you do want to make sure for anything that you're pressure canning you want specific like mason jars or ball jars per jars basically the jars that have anything written on them with like as a brand like um, with the raised glass um, because anything that's not is going to break in your pressure pan. <laughs> gotcha. okay. So you're going to need some vinegar, sugar, and then whatever seasoning and spices for anything that you're canning. And I would always say to start small. Don't think, okay, I'm going to get beans and peaches and jelly and pickles done today. And I'm going to do five cantaloupes of each. <laughs> No, <laughs> don't do that. You know me too well. That is like my MO for everything I want to try. 
<laughs> I may or not have said that for you. No, I'm just kidding. Just legit. Kidding. Legit. I also have to say that to myself sometimes because I get overly ambitious. Like, okay, well, I have these in the canner. I can hot water bath these. And that's usually never a good idea, um, unless you have a bunch of people helping. Pick one thing and plan to do, if you've never canned before, plan to do just one canner load. So figure out how much your canner load holds, whether, whether pints or quarts, and then just maybe try to do one, maybe one or two, and then, then you can kind of play around with it, and it's not going to take you forever. You also need either a hot water bath pot. So it has to be high enough or big enough that it's going to hold your pints and quarts and still have, be able to have room for two inches of water over those quarts. And then you're going to want a little extra room in there just so that it's not boiling over the whole time. Um, or a pressure canner um, as well with the locking lid. I don't even know what brand mine is, honestly. I would have to look. Um, but just a good pressure canner with a ceiling lid. If you get one secondhand, you I would make sure that everything works like clean your seals. You want to make sure that the steamer, gosh, I don't even know the correct <laughs> terminology, but where your steam is released, that that is still open, that there's nothing clogging that. You can definitely get them secondhand for sure. Just make sure that everything works because pressure canning can be a little intimidating and a little bit scary. You definitely have to watch it pretty closely because if not, I mean, the pressure is building up in there, and eventually it would have to blow. <laughs> You're not watching it. Yes. So, um, and your canning books will tell you how much pressure and for how long you have to do every whatever item you're doing as well. Your canning book should also have, or excuse me, your pressure canner should also have a little manual that says, okay, you need to put three quarts of water in this. And a tablespoon of vinegar or something to help with water spots. Another thing to remember, which um, hot water baths, you're going to fill the whole thing up and pressure canners definitely do not fill the whole thing up with water. It'll take a really long time for those. <laughs> Again, that would be stuff that would be in the canning book. So, um, sorry, that was a lot in a little bit. So back to, let's summarize tips. <laughs> Only pick one thing at a time when you're doing it at first. And... Pick something maybe easier, like, yeah, pears, peaches, you have a simple syrup. Jelly actually isn't too terrible. Green beans or beets, those are, those are pretty, fairly simple. But just start out small, kind of experiment. And I would also recommend, if you can get some people together, do it together with someone. Because it definitely cuts down on the time and you can, you know, have someone peeling and someone cutting and someone filling. Um, and then it's just fun to do it with someone because then it doesn't seem as much like work and you get to have good fellowship and good conversation. And that's, you know, that's kind of what it's really all about too, is you're, you're getting to prepare your food and um, preserve your food and then share it with people later on. So you can just start it off with that. That's just a lot more fun, I think, as well. Yeah. So. That's great advice. So one myth I want to see if you can debunk for us because I think it's a myth, but I I don't know. I, well, I actually do know. I do know because because this is how it was growing up. But um, I've heard people say that they're nervous to can on an electric like glass stovetop. 
because it doesn't distribute the heat equally and so they're worried that the, it won't it won't like do what it's supposed to do but my entire childhood we can on an electric blast stovetop do you have any words of wisdom <laughs> I've also heard that, that you're not supposed to can, put your canner on that glass. And I didn't actually know why. So I unfortunately cannot debunk that. I just have heard that you're not supposed to do that. I, for our first four years of marriage, we lived at a place with an electric, or yeah, an electric stove, but it had the raised burners. Gotcha. And I know that that wasn't as distributed equally because if the burner isn't the element isn't in just right then it's maybe not getting to all of the parts of the burner and so I definitely had issues with that this summer or this fall we're at a different house that's a gas stove okay um, it's just an open flame goes a lot quicker I found so <laughs> so yeah that's my answer not answer <laughs> I okay know. That's fair. I definitely water bath canned on an electric glass top stove, but I do not have a pressure canner right now because I'm a little intimidated by them. <laughs> so. They can be kind of intimidating, but they once you get the hang of it, it's not that bad. I was really scared to do it by myself for the first time. I literally had my mom on the phone the whole time and she was like, this is going to take hours. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, let me settle in. <laughs> um, but... No, you just have, yeah, getting it to the right, knowing like, okay, the steam is coming up and it's coming this fast. So I should put the little stopper on it and then set my timer. So it's just a lot of like watching your time, watching your steam, watching your heat. It is a little bit much, but it's not terrible. I think the the biggest worry that I had was I'm going to blow the house up with myself included. (laughs) I haven't done it yet. So... Oh, that's funny yeah that's legit my fear as well I'm like there goes toodle bugs right because the house just went up in flames Again, do it with someone that maybe has done it before or do it in a group and then you can have some encouragement and confidence building <laughs> with go. other people there so you're not alone there you go there you go that's funny oh well thank you I think it's just fun to talk about these things I feel like I feel like sometimes homemaking is romanticized in our world and we feel like it's like easy and carefree and like oh it's just this like thing um and that's really not true it's not easy I feel like you could attest to that for sure but there is something really like rewarding and and special about like caring for your family in this way serving them through through the means of homemaking whatever that looks like so What would your encouragement be to people who are really like wanting to go down this path of like homemaking a little bit in like this sort of way, in this sort of maybe what feels like, I don't know, like (laughs) I'm going to use the word vintage because I feel like, I don't know, but like old time, right? Like our grandparents' way of life kind of thing, but they live in the city or in an apartment or like farm life is not their life. What would be your recommendation to them? Anyone can can. You don't have to even have grown your own food to be able to can it. So, for example, a couple of years ago, my cucumbers failed. And, I mean, they didn't fail. They just didn't produce as much as I wanted. 
And then it's also hard for like pickling cucumbers to get them all the same size because by the time you have 10 that are this size, then your other ones are this size and, you know, huge, uh, five times bigger. And so it's hard to do that. So we order organic produce through a truck. It's called Azure Standard. Well, you may have heard, it, heard of it. It comes from farms in Oregon. And it comes just right to the end of our road. And so I ordered a 20 pound box of pickling cucumbers and they're all the same size. And then I just pickled them right from there. So if you don't have, if you're not able to grow your own food, just find a good source to get it from, whether it's a farmer's market um, or, you know, someone from church who has a garden or a farm. And then, yeah, go for it. You, you can get all the same supplies, um, you know, in town uh, or a city and just try it out and storing it is you know a maybe a space thing because that it does take up kind of quite a, a bit of room but if that's something you want to do then you can you know make that a priority and just order or buy your produce from sources that you trust and then go for it yeah yeah, my sweet husband definitely built shelves after we, you know, canned like 25 jars of jelly because I don't know if we could eat 25 jars of jelly in our whole life, but like that's what needed to happen with that box of produce. And so it was a really good, like whatever. And then you just figure out how to store it and gift it. <laughs> Lots of people will yeah, be getting okay. jelly for Christmas. Yes, yeah, they're great gifts too. Yeah, jelly. We don't eat a lot of jelly either, but we had an overabundance of raspberries one year. And so I literally still have probably 20 or 30 little one cup jars of raspberry jam. So great gifts. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. Oh, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Before we go, we always ask our guests what's been inspiring them recently. I, um, when I, we had talked about this a little bit, I was thinking, gosh, what is it? There's kind of a lot of things, but, um, so I'm going to give you two, if that's the right. Yes. The first thing that came to mind, maybe it was because I was thinking about it this morning, was our sunrises and sunsets. Like, they're just, there was a full moon last night. And it was so beautiful. And I mean, I know that's not the sunset, but just the, maybe the sky. I should be more gentle or broad. The sky. And I have lived in other places besides Montana, and I still feel that Montana's sunsets and sunrises are the best. So <laughs> sorry, but <laughs> Montana girl here. So yeah, just gorgeous. And how they're similar, but not always the same and the colors are so vibrant and just that god chooses to bless us with that morning and night and it's just yeah very brings your perspective around and then the second thing is my son he's just he's it's just so fun to be a mom so (laughs) um, he is kind of learning maybe a little bit i don't know how much he's caught on that we're going to be having another baby soon and so it's just cute, his little interactions with myself and my growing belly. So <laughs> that's pretty fun. <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, he's going to be a great big brother. <laughs> to what we're hoping is a sweet, sweet little sister. 
<laughs> no one knows. Well, no one knows what God right now. <laughs> we'll find out soon. I went shopping yesterday with a girlfriend, and there was all these like little girl toys, like Barbies and dolls. And I was like, oh man. You know, like, I've had two nephews for the longest time, and so now that I have a niece, and I'm hoping that you're having a little girl, I'm like, wow, like, what is it like to buy little girl things? Like, what, what is cool these days? Like, I don't even know. I'm like, will, will my niece like Barbies? Should I start buying them for her now? She's, you know, she's not even a year old. Like, when do I get to start doing these things? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy that's fun cool well thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me it's always fun to talk to you (laughs) you too bye for now as we wrap up our time together i want to remind you that the inspiring heights giveaway is now live you can sign up for the giveaway in a couple of different ways First, you go to inspiringheights.org, hover your mouse over the contact us link and select email sign up. This will get you our monthly newsletter, Inspiration for the Moment, which started in July. The other ways that you can get your name in the drawing is by leaving us a review on any platform that you listen to Inspiring Heights and sharing us on your social media. The drawing will take place once the podcast has hit 650 downloads. Friends, thank you so much for being here today. It means the world to us. Hey, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Inspiring Heights. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you're so inclined, go ahead and leave us a review. This helps for new listeners who haven't heard the podcast to kind of get a feel for what the show is like before they even hit play. If you have friends who aren't yet subscribers, share this with them if this is something you think that would be helpful and encouraging to them. Okay, friends, until next time, take a deep breath and be inspired where your feet are. Bye for now.